Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning. I'm going to try again. I heard two of you. Good morning. Uh, it's wonderful to see you this morning as always here at Hosanna. And if you're online, good morning to you. I'm not sure where I'm looking now. I don't know if that camera's on yet. Oh, yeah. Good morning to you. New camera setups for people online. So seeing a different view this morning. Well, let's, as you're able, let's stand together. And I thought we could start out this morning by reading this call to worship and centering our hearts. Let's all read together. Father, we thank and praise you for the life you have so richly given us. Thank you for the incredible blessing of being your sons and daughters and for the intricate and beautiful creations you have made us to be. Lord, we give you all that we are and ask that we might engage with your spirit today. We lift our hearts that you might fill them with new love. We lift our minds that you would pour fresh hope into our thinking. We lift our souls that they may bathe in your grace. We lift our hands and our voices to sing your praises as we come to worship and adore you, our Lord, our great creator. Today, we offer you our whole beings in worship to you. Amen.
Well, Jesus says in John 8:36, "Who the Son sets free, you know it." It's free indeed. It's a real declaration of identity. Once we've been brought into the family, then we have this identity as part of God's family. And our identity resides in knowing ourselves in Christ and living within the stability of knowing that we are who God says we are.
ready to give a thousand hallelujahs? I don't know. Try saying hallelujah a thousand times. Fast. And then a thousand It's really more. hard to say it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is it, I can't even say it three times fast, so sorry. Off topic. All right.
to listen to you sing. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, worship team. Let's give them some praise. I think that a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more, that can be our prayer for today. That's just, uh, that rings out so beautifully. Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly. For those of you who don't know me, the director of children's ministries, and I'm really glad to see everybody here today and to our friends online. Great to see you all. Um, it's the first Sunday in May. Wow. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where the winter went, but I'm glad that May is here. Glad that spring is here. Um, such a great time. I love to see all the new life happening in the world, and um, it's also a time when that can happen in us, too. So um, happy May, everybody. Um, before we take our offering, do join me in a word of prayer, okay? Father God, we can say a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more, and that can be, be our prayer to you. Um, in addition to that, we also thank you for, for the spring and new beginnings, and ask you to walk with us if there's areas that we need to have new beginnings in, and um, that we can burst forth with new life here in this season of our lives, in this season in nature. Thank you for all the gifts that we are giving today. We thank you for the, the monetary gifts, the gifts of time, the gifts of talent, all that we give in your name, Father God, and we ask you to bless them all. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of announcements today. Um, our Change for Change this month is going to be blessing Harry and Penka, their Resurrection Church in Bulgaria, to help with their Christmas gifts for the community. I believe we've been doing that for a number of years, and I know they're very grateful to us and to the families that they get to bless through our giving. So if you have loose change in your pocket, um, please drop that into the Change for Change this month of May. Also today after the service is our potluck. And I saw a lot of people bringing in, looks like, good food in. So um, please join us for that. And because of the potluck, there will be no adult class today because the potluck will be right after the service. So we will see you over in Fellowship Hall for that. Also, a few weeks ago, I stood up here and talked about October, which is yeah, kind of crazy. So yeah, I know he's zipping me through these months. But um, October 28th is our uh, holiday bazaar that we have here at Hosanna. And next Sunday, the 14th, is the last day for Hosanna folks to sign up if you would like to be a vendor at that bazaar. So the 14th, I believe it's out there at the Welcome Center, you can sign up. And please do. It's a really good um, event, and it's a way to get some exposure for any crafts or things that you want to vend. So... Uh, Join us for that. And finally, with it being May, we are two months away from VBA. And I did not mean for that to rhyme, but that sounded really good. Um, we got the registration open. The registration link is open. So yes, we're alive and well with VBA registration. And because we're two months away, I can say that very soon you will start seeing signups. Um, that we need those of you who are interested to sign up and help. And if you have not done it in the past and you're interested, please see me as soon as possible because we need to get you your clearances and your training that you need to um, align with our safe church practices. Everybody that volunteers with kids and youth um, need, to have, need to have those clearances. So um, see me if you're interested in that. And you'll be seeing a little bit more of me as I keep um, kind of promoting VBA and getting ready to... Uh, to uh, dive into our hero hotline. That is the theme for this year. So really excited about that. So with that, I'll ask Joanne and Tony to come up and give us the message. Oh, and kids are invited now to head out to KidVenture.
Thanks, Kelly. And uh, <laughs> I'll talk in the meantime. <laughs> I was um, listening to our, obviously, our songs this morning, knew what they were going to sing, and I didn't realize that there were so many references in there to Jesus being king, the king of heaven, the king above all kings. On the weekend, where with much pomp and circumstance across the pond, a king was crowned. Oh, yeah. And I love the juxtaposition of that. Let there be earthly kings if people want to have them. But even they yeah. and all other leaders will bow at the, at the feet of the king of all kings. And that's just, that's just kind of encouraging to us, isn't it? Anyway, my, uh, what's discouraging is that about 20 minutes ago, my iPad said, it's time for an automatic update. Oh. It's updating. Uh, so if I'm staring at my phone closely, please forgive me. We're good. Oh, look at that. Whoa. Jeff is like a magic season. fairy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just makes things happen. That's hilarious. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> we sang another beautiful song this morning. The first song that we sang, many of you were here for this, about laying our burdens down in the Father's house. And what an invitation it is. But we're only going to do that right if we trust that the Father is good. We're not going to hand these things over to somebody we don't trust or we think is out to get us. Mm-hmm. So we want to begin our message by looking at the lyrics of another song without the music this time. So we can just pay attention to the words just to hear the testimony of someone who has done that. You'll recognize this. So I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Mm-hmm. But I've heard the tender whisper in love in the dead of night. Yeah. You tell me that you're pleased, that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I know I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. Because you know just what we need before we say a word. Yeah. Uh, I said the word, but uh, <laughs> you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Yeah. That song concludes multiple times with the line, you are perfect in all of your ways to us. Mm-hmm. Which we believe is a reference to God's perfect love. Now, these lyrics are those of a songwriter. I don't know who it was. I could have looked it up, I guess, describing their own relationship with God. And the question is, how does this compare to your own experience of God? I mean, I suspect that some people may not honestly be able to sing this song because they don't believe that God is that good. Or they may not believe that God is good at all. This is one of the things we hear out of the world these days. There was a time when... That was a given, and now people say that the God we worship isn't very good. What do you think? What's your experience? Mm -hmm. Others may hear these words with some skepticism. We're just not sure. We're not as sure as we once were. Maybe after we've been through a tough patch in life. Mm -hmm. And yes, some of us sing this song with joyful hearts (laughs) because it describes the goodness that we too have experienced. Maybe it's encouraging then to realize that the one who knew the Father best the one who came from the Father's house, returned to the Father's house, lived in the Father's house his whole life, Jesus, 
described him as a good father. It was a startling thing to say at the time, even just the idea of father. God is a father? That had not been present in their language, in their understanding. And a good father at that? Why did Jesus say it? Well, it's simple, because while Jesus was fully divine, he's the second person of the eternal trinity that is the God, that is God, he was also fully human. And he shows us in his humanness what it's like to be in relationship with that first member of the trinity. And he called that person father to those around him, so we could learn to do the same, so we could have the joy of being seen and loved by God in the same way that Jesus was seen and loved by God. And we see this most vividly at his baptism. We talk about this from time to time here because it's one of those key passages here. We're basking in the loving gaze of the Father as he came out of the water. Jesus heard him say, you are my son whom I love. I am well pleased with you. Or we could equally translate it, you are my son whom I love and whom I take delight, in whom I delight and take pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And how wonderful is it that the father's delighted gaze was not reserved for Jesus alone. In his humanity, Jesus represented all of us, right? And we know this in our heads, but in our hearts and in our life experience, we can struggle, struggle, as Tony was saying, believing that this is true. It is so easy to write this off. You know, it's easy to think, of course the Father's well pleased with Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus did everything right. What parent wouldn't be pleased with a child like that? But I'm a very different story. And the entire Trinity knows just how imperfect and how broken I really am. There's no way that God, especially God the Father, could look at me with any delight at all. See, on the level of our imperfection and our brokenness, it is true. We have all, as Scripture says, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And truly, we don't deserve to be delighted in by a perfect, holy God. Heck, right? We have an incredibly hard time delighting in ourselves. So it can, it can seem impossible that our Creator would. And yet, as we've said so often this year, our bad, even sinful choices that may change us and may bring some very hard consequences into our lives and into our world. But no matter how bad or sinful our choices are, they don't change God. God remains entirely who God is. God remains entirely tov, entirely good. No matter how bad, no matter how not tov, we may choose to be. See, God is and God remains love. God has always been love and will always be love eternally. So this morning, Jesus is inviting us to listen again to the Father's blessing. You are my beloved child in whom I delight and take pleasure. And maybe just as we're starting this morning, can we just take a moment? Let those precious words sink down into you, maybe? You. You, 
God says, are my beloved child in you. I delight and take pleasure. And please, inside, please try not to look away from the voice, from the presence of the one who's speaking that to you. If only for just a second, look toward that voice. Allow yourself to see that the face of the one speaking to you is not angry at you. Allow yourself to see the loving gaze of your creator, who at the very beginning of it all, after creating humanity in his own likeness and image, he stepped back, he looked at all he had made and gazed at it. He gazed at us. And he said, Tomead, oh, how very good, how utterly beautiful they are. God delighted and took pleasure in us. Now, at that point, just logic it out with me. <laughs> Had humanity done anything to earn or deserve that delight? No. Had we done anything to give God pleasure? No. It's kind of like God was having the same experience we have when we look at a newborn baby. Mm-hmm especially those grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I show you pictures? <laughs> right? Our children, yes, but by the time we get to be grandparents, oh my gosh, it's even so much more. Right? You look, we look at those little babies, and you know, the, we're overwhelmed by the magnitude of the love that wells up from the depths of us, right? We love that child with a powerful unconditional love, even though that little one hasn't done anything to deserve it or earn it. That baby was going to keep us awake for months, changing their dirty diapers, giving us nothing. But what's the point? It's not about anything. It's just that they are. They are here. They're, they, they just are. And then to go back and realize Our love is not one atom of the love that comes from the depths of God's heart to us as his children. In every moment, he's gazing on us with that kind of eternal, unconditional love. And that gaze of love with which he looks at us doesn't change. It's not dependent upon our behavior later on. Mm-hmm. Vince Donahue was our guest speaker here two weeks ago, and he reminded us of this. He said, he said that hymn lyric that some of us know, the father turned his face away, is not true. Right. The be. father never turned his face away, not from Jesus on the cross, nor from us in our sin. Now, it's true. We may have turned ours away from him. Mm-hmm. But that loving gaze of his remains fixated on us. And again, just like we would with our kids or grandkids. Mm-hmm. So Jesus told a, told a remarkable story to persuade us of this. It's a story most of us here know. It's a story about a father whose love for his two sons was so perfect in all of its ways that he was regarded as shamefully wasteful. Which, by the way, is the meaning of the word prodigal. Mm-hmm. Which is a word we don't use hardly anymore outside of this story. But that's what the English word means. The neighbors might have thought that these kids were a little bit spoiled. They may have actually thought that he was a bad, bad father. (laughs) Yes. 
After all, his younger son couldn't wait for the father to die. <laughs> Yes. But demanded part of his inheritance. Say, Dad, sell off half your stuff and give it to me. I don't want to wait till you croak. Yeah. Uh, so he demanded part of his inheritance while he was alive. And his father did the unthinkable thing. He complied. <laughs> he gave it to him. Startling then and now. And after his son left with the money, and of course blew it all, the father continued to waste his time. Waste his time day after day, scanning the horizon longing to see his prodigal son return. It seems his father was prodigal in every way, wasting so much love on someone whom no one else thought was worth it. And if it wasn't his naf, his older son stayed home looking good on the outside. We know what that's like, right? But inwardly, he was prodigal too. Mm-hmm. Not wasting it on other people. He was squandering time and relationship with his generous father. He was becoming bitter and generous when he had everything that belonged to his father available to him. He became close-handed and close-minded and close-hearted. Yeah. Yep. And like the story of God's love for us at the beginning, you know, before we had done anything, except not Tove. No, before we had done anything that was not Tove. Genesis 1 and 2. This story, the story of the prodigal. It's our story also about how even after we'd done what we shouldn't have done, even after we sinned against our loving father and separated ourselves from him, he never stopped loving us. He never stopped longing for us to come home. So the prodigal father is the story, sorry, the prodigal father of this story is the father of us all, right? This is the true father that Jesus came to reveal to us. This is the true Father who's always watching over us, always waiting for us, and always welcoming us home with a gaze of love and tears streaming down his face. And when we turn toward him, oh my word, he starts running, and his face is filled, it's just covered with tears. And he's shouting for everyone to hear, this is my beloved child, and he's lavishing his wasteful love all over us. Now let's stop for a moment and acknowledge that just like there are people who struggle to believe God is good, there are those who struggle with calling God Father. I was one of them for a long time too. There are some very good reasons for that at times. We wouldn't want, for instance, to assume that this means that God is gendered somehow. Mm-hmm. Both male and female were created in the image and likeness of God. And we've got to remember that. Or that God is masculine in the sense that our culture or another culture would define that. If we do that, otherwise we're going to miss some of the what, what we might consider the maternal qualities of God. Um, we'll talk about some of those next week. Perhaps the bigger issue here is that some people haven't had fathers. And therefore, having had this kind of relationship to be able to understand who God wants to be with us, or have, this is a bigger one, maybe have had fathers who haven't always been good. Yep. Yep. And all that can make it hard to think of God, then, as a good, good father. Right. And like Tony and every other human being, that's been my struggle, too. And I've got a tissue, because I think I'm going to need it. Um, 
When I came back from my retreat in January, you might remember that I told you I had no words, <laughs> but that I would uh, share something with you when some words formed. Over the past months, um, a few have formed, and today is the day to share them. Because after the, at, at my retreat, after 43 years of loving and following Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God the Father introduced himself to me. So I went on retreat originally to work. That's pretty much because that's what I do. I work. I thought, I'm just going to block this week out. I'm going to take my schedule and everything, all my stuff, my laptop, and I am going to sit down and discern my insane schedule. And I'm going to figure out what to keep and what to let go of. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to do it. But what's so hard and what's made it so hard in the discernment is I love everything I do. So it's really hard. Okay, so when I arrived at the retreat, my spiritual director suggested that I, and I told her what I was there to do, and she was there to help me do it. Um, she said, why don't you just, just put that task aside for a few days, just get some rest, and why, why don't you just see what God might want for you? <laughs> Inside I'm thinking, that is what God wants for me, but okay, I'll be nice to you. Um, then she gave me a list of scriptures. Sometimes when you go on an extended retreat, what the retreat directors do is they'll just choose some scriptures that they're sensing the retreatants might benefit from. So she gave me that list. So each day, I just kind of looked at the list, and I chose two to pray with each day. And that is what guided the most incredible spiritual journey, one of the most I've ever experienced. The very first scripture was Jesus saying, do not worry about your life. You know that passage? Um, your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be given. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And my usual response is, like I was saying to you guys earlier, talk to my hand. I mean, it sounds good, but okay, yeah. So I, re I read that one. I smiled. And then I read the second one that I'd chosen, where Jesus says, and again, they're just scripture verses, so I, I'm just picking. Um, Do not let your heart be troubled. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You've seen me, so you've seen the Father. And this is the passage where, you know, Philip uh, chimes in, and Jesus says, so you've seen the Father from now on. You do know and have seen him. And Philip's me, going. Show us the Father. <laughs> and Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I speak, I do not speak on my own. The Father dwells in me and is doing his works. Hmm. So from the start of this retreat, the Father showed up. But see, I'm still focused on, on my task, and as usual, I'm focused on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with that. But it took another day for me to realize that Jesus wasn't, like I said, he wasn't only saying that to Philip, he was also saying that to me. Have I been with you so long, and you still do not recognize right, who I am? You don't recognize 
that I'm not in you and with you on my own. That aha moment came for me when I realized for the first time in 43 years of being a Christian that although I believe in the Father, I believe in God the Father, I have simply never known what to do with him. So what I did was ignore him or yell at him, demanding answers about how he could be such a guilty bystander and allow such incredible suffering in the world. That's the kind of stuff. Like he's, I put him over in the corner. He's still there. He's real. I know he's real. But he's like over in the corner and he's the one I would go and yell at when I was frustrated and say, you need to explain to me, what the heck? How am I supposed to believe that you're good at all when you allow the suffering in the world? I talked to him. But in, there was this graced moment on this retreat. It was just like 43 years coming to a, a just broke open. What I did in the moments was I realized I had never intentionally listened to him, ever. And you know what? There was no shame. There was no shame or guilt in that realization because the father understands why father is such a hard word for me. He was there. I mean, he knows what an abusive father had done to damage me. And also, God the Father knows what abusive patriarchy has done to damage all women and all men. But see, the real, realizing it didn't heal it. So I asked Jesus to ask the Father to show me how to make space for the more that he wanted to show me. And also, I said, can you just please also show me how can I possibly be your child when I've been an adult since before I can remember? I don't know how to be a child. Over the coming days, the father very gently answered that prayer for me. He started by showing me how he'd always been with me. I just memory after memory after memory. I remembered sitting on my grandfather's lap. And it was like the father was, was showing me, wow, I was there. When you sat on your grandfather's lap, see, he was my gentle protector. He's, he's the only memory, memory I have as a child of being held. He held me on his lap next to his heart, and I could remember hearing his heart beating. And then the God the Father just gently says to me, that was my heart too. And then I saw my adoptive dad, right, who's my, like my real dad who came when I was, I was six. And he married my mom, and he loved me enough to give me his name, which I'll never get over. And he was always there when I needed him, always. Again, quiet, very quiet, but he was always there. And so, you know, as I'm sitting there, and again, I'm not initiating any of this. This is a way of praying, right, where you know you're not in control of it. It's just God is doing this. The Spirit is, was doing this. The Father was doing this. And so I, I remembered dad coming to help me to make my cottage livable when I moved in during my, my divorce. And I remembered how one night he was trying to get this cabinet hung over my washing machine 
in my basement. And let's just say it's like a hundred year old house and we had to jack up the floors and we did a lot of stuff to make this place livable. But the wonkiness, he couldn't get the perfect cabinet in to the corner on the wonky walls. So he just kept at it. He just kept at it. It just wouldn't hang. Okay, what's going on in me? It's getting dark. I'm utterly exhausted at this point for a lot of reasons. And I was worried that mom was going to be angry at him for staying at my house so late. So I just kept trying to push him out to his truck. We can finish this another time, Dad. You know, you just, just go. Mom's going to be mad. I don't want mom to be mad at you and then get mad at me. No, no, no. Go out. You need to leave. He's determined, though. He's standing there. Yeah, I'm going to hang this cabinet. I'm getting more and more worked up. So when he finally got the thing hung and stood back and gazed at it in delight, I started crying. I just brought, I mean, I started crying. And I'm like behind him, literally pushing him out the door. And I'm saying, Dad, you got to go. And I just started bawling. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you have to come and help your adult daughter like this, that you have to come over here and, and do things for me because I'm such a screw up. Tell you what, in the moment, I'm pushing him. He, he stops. He's 6'2". He's he stopped. You don't move him. And he just kind of goes like this, and he looks back over his shoulder at me, and he smiled at me. And he said, honey, don't you know by now I'd do anything for you? Oh, my God. In that moment, I heard him say it on the retreat. I heard God. I experienced God the Father in my dad turning and looking at me and smiling and speaking through him saying, Honey, don't you know I'd do anything for you? And oh my God, you know, my heart said in that moment, If God the Father is really like that, I want to know him. And what I did, because again, what do you do? You just kind of follow and go and you just do the next thing to do. So I consciously chose. I said, I need to make space for him to reveal himself to me. And oh my gosh, did he. I do not have time to tell you all the ways that the father walked through the door that I opened for him. Just briefly, I want to share just a couple of real transformative moments here. Halfway through the retreat, I again, because that's who I am, <laughs> I started asking a lot of hard questions. That's what I do. And of course, right, we humans are not able to grasp answers to those questions that, because they're beyond our mind's comprehension. They're beyond anything that we've experienced, we can know in this life. So I got frustrated, and I wrote half a journal. Why this and why that and blah, 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 just getting it out onto the pages. And I re realized what I was doing. I got so frustrated, and I thought, no, put it away. I laid down on the bed just to let it all settle. As I'm laying there, this line, it's a famous line from a poem by William Blake, came into my mind. We're here to learn to bear the beams of love. OK. So I just was there, and there was space. Suddenly, though, there was another full-blown thought, and I recognized this is not my own thought. 
what was there was, it wasn't even words, but what was there was, that's not the full sentence. Here's the full sentence. I am not here to carry the weight of divine responsibility. I am here to learn to bear the beams of love. And holy cow. Do you know, I had, I had always, I've always had those kinds of full-blown thoughts that just kind of, kind of come out of nowhere, that aren't words, they're just knowing. And I just thought that they were me. In that moment, I realized that has always been the Father in me. And I, I just don't have any words to describe in that moment the sense of chains falling off of me, of weight being lifted from my shoulders, hearing God the Father assure me that I don't have to carry the burden of over-responsibility over in this life anymore. And neither do you. See, one more. Later that same night, Okay, so I'm, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a father like none I've ever known. I was, I, I, I was asking, so what should I call you? Because you know, father, daddy, even Abba, nah, not so much. They just don't work for me. And again, it was just a sense of his, what do you want my name to be? I didn't know. Oh my goodness. And then... I heard my granddaughter, who's a teenager now, but I heard her little girl voice that I'd heard so many times. I heard her laughing and calling, Papa, Papa. See, that's what she calls my, my son, her dad. And all I could say is I started ugly crying in, in the most beautiful way. I mean, Oh my God, I couldn't even take it in. That's who you are? I get to be like her? And then I remembered my son through the years. Whenever anyone would ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? His answer was always the same, a father. When he came to me and said, I'm going to go to college to be a youth pastor, I said, well, I'm not paying for it. You want to do this to your family? Come on now. Take <laughs> He's like, Mom, I can't help it. I said, well, anyway, that's a whole other story. Obviously, he, he got there. But see, that's, though, that's what I understood in this moment. That's why he wanted to be a youth pastor, so he could be a spiritual father before he got to be a physical father. And then, in that moment, so much healing flowed through me because, you know, one of the burdens that I'd always been carrying is that he had two parents who'd been abused by their earthly fathers. And I'd always worried that we were screwing him up somehow that we didn't know. In that moment, what I saw is we didn't because our Heavenly Father was there in him. He was making up for what we couldn't do. And he, Heavenly Father was raising our earthly son, his earthly son. He's raising him to be somebody that we never could. Does this make sense? So let's just stay in that moment, right? In the spirit of God, in that moment, when all of this is just cascading. My heart... I heard my heart saying, Papa, 
just it was a little girl's voice and it was saying Papa, and for the first time I heard it, I know the spirit's been in there, right? The spirit comes in crying, Abba, Father, spirit of adoption. But I, I heard it. And I said it out loud. I said, Papa. And it still feels foreign in a way. But I, I said, Papa, and this indescribable peace, this truth, Rust, just it was just there, and all I knew, in my experience, I just knew I loved Papa. And although that's all I really know, knew at that time, it was so much more than enough, and it still is because I don't know much more than that right now. Five months later, the retreat went on. Right, I came home. Life goes on. It isn't magic. I still struggle. I still ask hard questions without answers I can understand. I still have hard decisions to make about my schedule, and I'm having some very hard conversations with Papa about my granddaughter's health right now. And it, lots of hard conversations about the broken system we're living in right now. And so much more. But there's a huge difference. I don't much know it here. I know. I'm not alone in any of this. Way down inside in the core of my being, there is a solid place of love and trust where I stand with Papa and Jesus and the Spirit, knowing that somehow, not only will it be okay, that in all the ways that matter, listen, it already is. And... I could share more, but I just because we were preaching on it, I just had to take the time and thank you for listening. And I thank Tony for all of this time just to say, you know, it'll be different for you than it is for me. But he's not only my father. He's not only Jesus' father. He's our father. And God is father to all of us. <clears throat> When you get so engrossed in my story, you forgot to stay. <laughs> I'm feeling like somebody ought to say on behalf of the congregation, thank you. What? what? Don't make me cry. <laughs> I don't want an ugly cry. <laughs> That's not a sin either. Uh, thank you for trusting us with your story, which may be uh, similar to or different from our own. But... Well, this is what the family uh of God does. Thank you for being the kind of people that we can trust. You're not just an audience that we talk to. This is, right. this is a family. We really do live the messages, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we never want this just to be words, 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 words. The world has enough words. Let's make it real. So. The Father's relationship with each of us is different and unique. Your story, my story, may be similar in some respects to Joanne's, may be entirely different. The personal ways that we experience and come to know the Father are also unique. We mm -hmm. have our different journeys. Yet there are some common ways that we do know and experience Him. So 
when Jesus, when Jesus' disciples, they're watching Jesus with his relationship with the Father. They're watching him wander off behind the bushes and pray to this Father. They're, they're watching the way that he lived in this unity and this intimacy with God. And they said, how, how do we do that too? Can we have that too? Teach us how to pray the way you do. Teach us how to communicate. Teach us how to be in the presence of the Father in the way that you are. So what did he do? He gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's, it's not a, something to memorize as a, as a road prayer. It's a template almost to help them experience the Father the way that Jesus did. And, and it had another purpose, I believe. And this one was, a, I don't know, not an entirely new revelation, I guess, but it just hit me this week. Uh, Joanne mentioned it last week as we were preparing. Maybe the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is to convince us that the Father is Better than we have imagined. Better than we even can imagine. I had no, no, no if I'd ever noticed how wonderfully the Father is described in this prayer. Most of the time when I pray or focus on it, I'm paying attention to me. You know, <laughs> Give me, do this for me, do this for me. But let, let's let's just go through it somewhat quickly yeah. here and yeah. uh, and and notice what it says about the Father. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that me? That's you. Okay. <laughs> you changed <laughs> all again. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, things were just flowing, right? All right. I was giving you a moment to collect yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the first word is where we start. Our. Our. Jesus' first word in this prayer, his disciples come and say, teach us how to pray. Because they're obviously they're seeing something very different in Jesus' relationship with God than in theirs. And the first word's all-inclusive. Our, he didn't begin with the expected, my, my father, um, because they'd heard Jesus talking about God as his father before. So they would have expected my father, but oh no, he began with our father. And he must have shocked them, his listeners, by including all of them. And including all of them means ex- including all of us in our shared human oneness. We all share together in relationship with the one God and creator of us all. He is our father. You got the father. Yeah. (laughs) Our father. That's the second (laughs) word here. The image here, as I said earlier, was startling. It's not the judge on the throne. I'm not saying that God the Father doesn't have a judging role. That's in Scripture too. But that's not who Jesus is offering to his disciples in that moment. It's not the deity far away in the sky from a distance. God is watching us. No, it's of an intimate relationship, an intimate family member. Mm-hmm. And this is really cool because while the Gospels are recorded in Greek because that was the common language of most of the Mediterranean, Jesus actually spoke Aramaic. And the word that he would have used in Aramaic, he did use it yeah. in other parts of Scripture here. It's, uh, we know that is Abba, mm-hmm. not the Swedish music group. <laughs> it means daddy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. He's there in the Garden of Gethsemane later on praying, and it's recorded. They, they kept the Aramaic for that one. Daddy! Yeah. He's teaching his disciples to pray to this father who is so intimate and so loving. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really cool. And it's for us too. The spirit in Jesus inside of us still calls the father Abba. Galatians 4. 
Because you, this is referring to us now, our sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit's in there crying what? Abba, daddy, father. That's what we get to call him. And that's what we get to experience him. Mm -hmm. Are you going to? Nah. Why? Because it'll flow better next week. It'll I have a story of my own. I'm okay. going to hold it. Oh, he's going to tell it next week instead. Okay. See, we're doing this on the fly this morning. <laughs> so, our Father. Holy. I know, but we're who art in heaven. I'm doing the old King James in my head. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Oh, we missed who art in heaven. But we, we figured that. We, we know that. Okay. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. So our Father is good, as Tony's been saying, as we've been saying all year but and, and today. Our Father is good. Our Father is better than even the best earthly father could ever be. He is unimaginably better than we have ever imagined God could ever be. And we can approach him at any time. See, that's this idea of God is holy. He's of a purer eyes than to, you know... Uh, behold evil, we, he doesn't, he's not looking at us with love, all of that really bad theology. No. We approach. We can approach. He wants us to approach at any time. What Jesus is doing here is showing us what that approach looks like. How do we approach our good, loving Father? In awe. See, not in human fear, fear of God. No. It's the fear, the holy fear, the I can't even believe this is true fear, that awe. It's awe-filled love. We come into the presence of our Heavenly Father, and we get to sit on his lap. We get to have intimate conversations. We get to share relationship, and that's worship. That's what worship is, right? Sharing and growing in eternal, living relationship with the holy goodness that is God, our Father. I tell you, personally, that word holy used to scare me. This word Father was intimate, invite, Abba, inviting me in. Mm-hmm. And then I would read holy as far better than you, you shameful brute. You know, uh, what a wretch am I? And, and immediately, I would project a gap between uh, me and God again. Yeah. It was when I discovered that holy actually meant really, really good mm-hmm. um, in both senses of the term that I began to understand that that was not to separate me from God, but that God was better than yeah. I had imagined. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was amazing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray for that, for God's kingdom to come to earth and into our lives and his will to be done on earth and in our lives only if we trust that his will is good and wise. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just submission. And again, for when I was younger, I learned to submit to the will of God. You won't like this, boy, but you better take it. You know, this is giving you medicine that tastes bad, that kind of stuff. And I thought the Christian life was like that. I had to give up my desires and follow the good desires of God, which were going to be make my life miserable, but I had to learn to salute because he was Lord and I wasn't. And a lot of the times I was taught that way. After a while, I realized that what Jesus is inviting us into is to recognize that his will for us is better than anything we could have written for ourselves. Yeah. 
What is his will? His desires, his intentions, what God wants for us. What God wants for us is good. What God wants for me is good. Bring it on, God. That's what this prayer is saying. Bring it on. Make it happen. Yeah. Your will be done, please. Yes. It's not just, anyway, I've said it. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus is going on now and saying, okay, what does God want? God wants everything that's good for you. And here, give us this day your daily bread. Jesus is inviting to trust us to trust that our Father not only knows every need in our lives and wants good things for us in our lives, but he knows and wants what's good right down to the basic daily food that our bodies require, and he cares about it, and he's going to do something about it. That our Father provides for our needs just as he does for the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. Do not worry. I've got you, God says. And remember, this is a a prayer of shared oneness, right? So the way our Father chooses to meet our needs, it may be through the work of our own hands. Absolutely, he gives us good work to do. And very often, that's providing... It's not me working to provide alone for my own needs so the weight is all on our shoulders. No. Really? We're working with God. We're working with God. And God is at work in our lives to provide through the work of our hands what's needed. But that's not all there is. He's also saying it's not only through the work of your hands, but the Father provides through the generosity of others' hands. Right? Give and receive. And even more, even sometimes miraculously, God provides the impossible through his own hands. So Jesus invites us, right, not only to make our needs known to our Father and to each other, he's also inviting us to be the Father's answer to prayer for others as well. I have felt that burden of responsibility myself at times. God has lifted. Here's another burden we carry Mm -hmm. that he addresses. Forgive us our debts or our trespasses. The Lord's Prayer, by the way, is recorded in two slightly different versions, one in Matthew and one in Luke. I suspect it was a normal part of his teaching. And and that's why I also don't think it's just something to be memorized and recited by roads because the words weren't always the same. He's giving us the flow. He's giving Mm -hmm, us mm -hmm. the relationship, not just words. Mm -hmm. So forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. I forgot the words debts. We forgive Mm -hmm. those who trespass against us. This part invites us to see the Father as compassionate. That he is the prodigal father. He's prodigal. He's wasteful in his grace, mercy, and forgiveness to us. And then, just like Joanne said about the providing for others, we too here get to be part of the answer to prayer. To be mm-hmm. compa- to in compassion and forgiveness, release others that we have something against. Right. The prayer is not just that God would act, but the prayer becomes also then a way that we act in the same spirit of this God who is so compassionate to us. Jesus had lots of parables about that. Yeah. And then out of that, Jesus says, in English translation, lead us not into temptation. Now, Jesus is not suggesting that the Father wants us to be tempted. 
A better translation here is, don't let us yield to temptation. Keep us strong when we're tested. In essence, what is Jesus saying? See, that we ask the Father in prayer to, that he will guide us. It's a prayer to trust and follow God's love, God's guidance in our most confusing and overwhelming times. It's like, you know, the trusting of you don't, when you can't figure it out, when the next step doesn't, doesn't even appear to you, what do you do? You wait and you just see where, it, look for life. Where is there light? You just go in that direction one more step because we can trust that life, we can trust that light we can trust freedom. We can trust that. This is the Father saying, follow me one more step. You don't need to know, I know. So it's trusting when we're confused in overwhelming times like we're living in right now. Just do the next right thing, I'm thinking from Frozen too, Because God will strengthen us in our weakest moments to continue going and to not collapse under the pressure to not uh, yield to the temptation, that he'll keep us strong. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the mm -hmm. evil one. Mm -hmm. Here we see the protective heart of the Father. That doesn't mean that nothing bad is ever going to happen to us the way we define bad, but we can trust God for tov, that word we keep using all year long. The goodness of God, that no matter what the world may look like, no matter how fearful or weird it may seem out there, no matter how non-tov it gets, it's a prayer to open our eyes so that we can see our good, protective, loving Father at work in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So this closing statement, what's he saying? After praying all of this to this Father who loves you, with an everlasting love, who knows your needs and is always in the process of meeting them, who will not lead you in the wrong direction. After all of this beautiful praying, the, this closing statement is basically, it's our yes. How can we pray this? Why can we pray this? Because you, yes, you are our Father. It is your kingdom. It is your power. It is your glory, not any of ours. Yes, you are omnipotent. You are all-powerful. Yes, you are omniscient. Yes, you are all-knowing. Yes, you're omnipresent. Yes, you are present everywhere at once in heaven and on earth, present always with all of us everywhere, forever. So yes, we can even in all of the midst of the brokenness and the unanswered questions, yes, we will remain hopeful because you remain active in working everything together for our good and for this world's good that you love so dearly and you will fulfill every promise you've made. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. That's the last word, right? Amen. Yes. So be it. And it is. The giving over of it all to God and resting in our good Father. That's what amen means. Mm -hmm. It's being able to shout out with confidence, God is good. 
All the time. What's your life? All the time. God is good. And all the time. God is good. God is good. The all the timeness of this points to how faithful God is. Yes. His is not a till I get tired of you kind of love or till I you screw things up kind of yes. love. God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't walk away. Does, God doesn't wrinkle his face up in disgust and say, I'm done with you. Emmanuel was one of the names that was given to God, the second person of the Trinity, when he showed up as a human. It means God with us. It was not just for 33 years, 20 centuries ago. God yes. has never ceased to be with us. Yep. He is still with us. He is still with me. He is still with you and always will be. God is faithful. Yep. And as Jesus said, the Father's in him. He's in the Father. We're in Christ. The Spirit is in us. We're all held in God. I don't know how much more secure it gets than that. There's a lot to say amen to. Because he is our good father. You're our good, good father. It's who you are. And we're all loved by you. Yes, and yet, as we get ready to close, I think we need to circle back and reconnect with this reality that God is not only our, our father, also my father. It's both and. And your father, individually, and all of us together. But let's circle back from the our father. Let's circle back to my father, your father. The Father who loves each of us as if we were his only child. Loves each of us the same way he loved his only begotten son. Let's just take a moment here. Just to slow down like we did. We got, thank you for your feedback from last week. Wow, we heard everyone really did need that moment. Let's just slow down right now. Just notice. Just slow down. If you need to close your eyes, that's okay. Notice inside. Has anything shifted within you toward God the Father as we've been talking this morning? I mean, what have you been believing? Some of you, yeah, you're right there. But some of you, no, not so much. If you're skeptical, you know, even if your experience of earthly fathers has been utterly devastating, would you be willing for your heavenly father to tell you the story of how he created you in love and by love and for love? Would you be just willing to make some space for him to show you how he welcomes you home again and again and again with tears of joy streaming down his face. Willingness. God can do a lot with that. If he's disappointed you terribly, or if earthly fathers have disappointed you so terribly that you believe that God the Father has, would you be willing just to give him a chance show him your, your broken heart and ask him to heal it by filling it with love from his heart. Or maybe to somehow persuade you 
that you truly are his beloved child in whom he delights? Or maybe are you willing to just consider that there's nothing you could ever do to change that, that love of God for you, that there's nothing in all creation that could ever separate you from the love of the Father in Christ Jesus? Just take a moment. One more moment. If you just, can you just let yourself like go down through the layers of all the stuff, all the questions, all, all the pain, all the all of it. Just let yourself kind of sink down through those layers, down into your want to, your desire, because we were created. By love for love, underneath it all, in every human being, is a God-given desire to want to know him. If you, if you can do nothing else this morning, except let yourself feel how deeply you want to experience God your Father's love, that's enough. That is prayer. I want to experience your love, Father. I want to know you beyond any of my human experience. And I'm ready. I'm willing to make space for you to do that. Reveal yourself to me. However, and whatever that might mean for every one of us, if you want to, just go ahead, just... Take a moment. Let your want to be your prayer. Here's a way that we can respond to God out loud. <laughs> if you wish, if these words are true in any way, maybe they're newly true for you this morning. You've heard them already today. Mm -hmm. This time, uh, why don't we sing them? If you know the, if you know the, the, the tune, and if you don't, say them out loud or whatever. Uh, let's make this kind of our closing uh, response, our closing agreement with who God is. Yeah. You're, You're a good, good father. I can't find it. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Not the most musical thing we've ever done, but the words are true. I had it there two minutes ago, and then I lost it. It is true. It is true. 
please stay for the meal if you're in the building and can yeah. hang around. Uh, or if you're over online somewhere nearby, come over for lunch, join us. Yeah. <laughs> but whenever you leave here, whenever you go through those doors and out into the parking lot, open your eyes, open your heart to receive yet again that glorious, loving, transforming gaze of your good, good father. My, how he takes delight in you. He changes everything. It really does. Amen? Amen. Amen. May it be so. And it is. And my iPad is not yet done updating. <laughs>